0: We have a very special guest, Patty Grimm, the owner, president, and CEO of Advantage Training. Heads in the Cloud with your hosts, David Portnowitz, John Roth, and Frederick Weiss. Welcome to Heads in the Cloud. I am Frederick Weiss. And I'm John Ross. Thank you so much for joining us today. We have a very special guest, Patty Grimm, the owner, president, and CEO of Advantage Training, a company that specializes in creating great leaders, building rock star teams, and fast tracking business results. With over 25 years of experience, Patty is an empowerment expert for organizations, leaders, and women. Patty was a senior leader for several global Fortune 100 companies, including Microsoft and Johnson & Johnson. She is the author of the best-selling book, Quiet Women Never Changed History. Be strong, stand up, and stand out. Let's go kick some glass. Welcome, Patty.
1: Hi. So nice to see you, Frederick and John.
2: That is one heck of an intro, Patty.
1: (laughs) I always feel like it was written for my mom, and more importantly, my dad. My dad always told me I could do anything I wanted to do as long as I put my mind to it. You know, I I was better than any boy. I could do anything I put my mind to. So my dad was always my inspiration. So that was written for (laughs) daddy.
0: Well, Patty, thank you so much for joining us again. Really appreciate it. You were on our uh, episode a little bit ago with Michelle Accardi, our president and Mm -hmm. CRO for uh, imposter syndrome. And we have received really great reviews on that. A few people reached out to me telling me how much they could relate and how it's one of those things that have affected their life. And it's definitely one of those things that we have a hard time overcoming. Mm -hmm.
1: Exactly. Exactly. Men have it to some extent but women seem to suffer from it more and it really starts as little girls like my daddy when we're told to be perfect. Be the good girl, go to the good school, get the good grades, have the good friends, Uh, you know, always do something nice. Little girls are sugar and spice everything nice. Um, So that starts out as little girls as we get into be women. It's sort of that imposter syndrome that we just don't feel like we're good enough. Even though there's evidence says we are, we still doubt ourselves. We get that job or promotion and we say I really deserve this. So it is one of those things that is, I think, the number one thing that's holding women back. There's lots of things men can do and organizations to do to help women crack the glass ceiling or smash it finely, but imposter syndrome, I think, is the one thing holding women back.
0: Wow,
2: that's interesting. Um, I've never heard it quite stated that way. Coming from a man's point of view, we feel like, mm-hmm. you know, we're entitled to that, uh, that raise or that uh, promotion, mm-hmm. but uh, just to understand that. So Have you got a psychology background?
1: You know, I do not. I I was a district sales and service manager, a VP for a big California bank. And they were going through a big, sort of like what we're going right now, they're going through a big transition in business. Banking, banks were going to be deregulated. So we had to go from being bankers that sat in our offices and waited for people to come in and collect money, so we could charge you for it, and then collect interest on it. Right, that's how banks worked. So now we had to be proactive salespeople. So they put me in charge of this culture change effort, and I was. They would say, "We're going to do culture change and leadership," and I said, "Culture's yogurt, isn't it?" And like, what is organizational development? So I had to learn all this stuff, and then I found I loved it. I'm a research geek, right? I'm working on my second book. I've interviewed hundreds of VPs and leaders around the country, including uh, Michelle and a few Janet, some, some of us know. So I'm just, I've, I've, I've it turns out I love it. absolutely love the culture, work, leadership, performance of excellence, those kind of things of how do we create great organizations where everyone can thrive?
2: You know, and I think sometimes it, it's rather tough to kind of break those ceilings sometimes in those glass ceilings because, you know, culture is so embedded in, and especially I think that The uh, older style culture uh, in those Fortune 100 companies
0: are so hard to
2: break. uh, And, you know, uh, I remember being with a big Fortune 100 company when I first started out in in the telecom industry. One of their rules was you had to reply to an email within one week.
1: A week? I I didn't reply to an email within 10 Uh
0: minutes of my phone. I was dead. (laughs)
2: It was like, now it's like, you know, you reply within minutes. So I I think that the the culture back in those days was a little bit, you know, reply back for an email in a week. (laughs) Nobody knew what
0: an email was. Yeah, times change. Remember
1: the days when we would tell a customer that I'll send you a proposal and give me a few days to get together with my team and then I'll write it up and I'll I'll mail it to you. Or maybe i you
0: imagine.
2: Uh, Can you imagine that? You you and I are, you and I are, I guess we're. (laughs) Almost the same age, because I remember seeing a fax machine for the first time and going, oh, my goodness, what te- kind of technology is this? Yeah, yeah,
1: it's, yeah. it's so funny. It's so yeah. funny. And the thing is, the you know, the, the we'll talk about this for a second. We'll get into some of the other topics we're going to talk about. But there's also something that's called the concrete ceiling, which is holding African-Americans back, men and women. And there's something called the bamboo ceiling, which is holding back the Pan-Asians of the world. This is Pan-Asian, happens to be Pan-Asian Awareness Month. But there's something called the bamboo ceiling where it's in their culture, their traditional culture, hundreds of years of being loyal. Keep your head down. Just do a good job and someone will notice. And that is holding men and women who happen to be Pan-Asian back from cracking the bamboo ceiling.
0: So many factors that go into this. When you're talking about mixing culture, A lot of times we don't think about these very specific aspects and and, and some people just will never be cognizant of it at all. Right. When you put it together, it's amazing how that affects our, our global economy.
1: It does. And the thing is today, we're, we're dealing in a situation in this COVID environment. And now I guess we're calling it post-COVID environment. A lot of people are talking about getting back to the new normal. Well, I've got news for you folks. There is no new normal. Normal mm-hmm. implies that we're going to go back to the way we were in 2018, 2019, people have been remote work for 18 months and have made it work. Companies have pivoted on a dime and been able to allow people to work from home across the world. And it's working. Employees don't want to come back to work. So working from home and having um, they've been using a term hybrid work. I like the term flex work because yeah. millennials and younger generations and women want flexible work environments. Right. So maybe they welcome to the office one day a week two days a week, whatever it happens to be, but they do—they have that flexibility. So I like the term flex work over hybrid work. Hybrid yep. to me sounds like a chemical experiment, but we're in a world today where people are working from home. People truly are Zoomed out. My biggest recommendation for people who are in Zoom all day is make your meetings 25 minutes long, not 30, make them 55 minutes long, not 60. And in between every two or three meetings, go outside, Take 10 deep breaths of fresh air, your creativity will come back, your innovation will come back and your stress will go down versus being in Zoom meeting after Zoom meeting. So people are completely zoomed out. Digital evolution is here to stay. I remember at Microsoft in the early 2000s, we were trying to get people to adopt telemedicine. Well, now nobody wants to go see a doctor because they can use telemedicine because they were forced in because of the digital evolution that COVID caused and the technology, and companies having to, the new word is pivot, um, they're able to pivot so quickly because of all these different things. Customer demands are changing. So that's why we have to have these four ways or four things every leader needs to know to lead in the new world, not the new normal.
0: It's so advantageous for a business to stand the way people want to work. One, you're, you're going to be able to pull from a lot of different locations rather than just your backyard for mm-hmm. higher quality employees. And then two, just think of the costs that you could certainly save by removing the brick and mortar element, right?
1: And what, one of my thoughts is because i working at Microsoft, we've got hundreds of buildings all over. I mean, they, now we have like building 121, 122. What are they going to do with all this brick and mortar buildings that they've got that's going forward? So the four things really start with the fact that you have to start with your customer. So the first R, there's four R's, remember reading, writing, arithmetic. So the first R is reimagine your customer experiences. Go back to with your go, go to your team and say, look at all the things we've been able to accomplish with our customers. They had to come up with new technology for restaurants to be able to to pivot to offering takeout or to go orders full time and not be able to have people in the restaurants. We have to reimagine our customer experiences. And I'm going to give you an example of, of one, maybe two that we can all relate to. It's the Heinz ketchup bottle right remember the Heinz glass ketchup bottle that was big on the bottom narrow on the top with a little white cap
0: got to hit it from the side yeah
1: and in order to get the ketchup out you had to hit it from the side in a certain way you stuck your knife at it and no matter what you ended up with all liquid or ketchup all over your french fries or all over your clothes right so a number of years ago Heinz reimagined their customer experience they turned that ketchup bottle upside down they made it plastic they made it more evenly distributed so that it's not this narrow bottom. And you put it in your refrigerator upside down so the liquid is more consistent. You don't end up with that runny, icky ketchup water, right? So that's one classic example of a company that completely reinvented or reimagined their customer experience because I had to redo their manufacturing, their advertising, their packaging and bottling, their distrib- distribution model, how they sat on grocery shelves. It went all the way through to the, their suppliers and their customers. The other one is Tide Pods, right? So you, t- for years we had those heavy boxes of, of Tide powder that's got spilled, and you'd spill it all over the place. Well, they came out with Tide Pods, completely reimagined their customer experience of having an easy way to throw a Tide Pod—one pod that has your fabric softener, your extra cleaner, and everything in it—and you just throw that little pod, and you're all done. So you have to reimagine your customer experiences starting with your customers. That's number one. So the second R is reshape your leadership. Let's face it, the old command and control leadership did not work 10 years ago, 20 years ago, and it certainly does not work today, especially with the younger generations. We now have four, possibly five generations of people working together right now because baby boomers are not retiring as soon, and now we have all these young workers coming in. They need that empowered leadership style that gives them clarity, consistency, but allows them to bring their brains and their heart and and everything to work every day. Um, I'm start working on a second book. We'll talk about that a little bit, but it's about inclusion and and, and innovation. And I interviewed this amazing woman leader of a small advertising company called solo marketing. They're a small advertising company, but they have big customers like Dell. I mean, they're not a small, they're, they're a very powerful company and she's got these great values. And one of the values is bring your magic to work every day everybody has a unique manage different creativity diversity of thoughts background experiences so reshape your leaderships to empower your teams and enable people to bring their magic to work every day um, you know we need leaders to think like leaders not ma- like leaders not managers so I have some weird habits one of my habits is i love to look up what words mean and i'll give you a silly example first and then a work one so i'll take the an artichoke Right? Where did artichokes come from? And who hundreds of years ago saw this thick, thistly, ugly thing with thorns on it and thought it would be good to eat if you boiled it for an hour and dipped it in mayonnaise or butter? Who the heck thought of that? Right. Years ago at work, we used to call employees subordinates. So as someone who's a research geek, I wanted to look up what that means. Well, sub means below and ordinate means ordinary. So now we've just called our employees below ordinary. So when you look up the word manage in the dictionary, that means hands. It comes from the Latin term that comes from hands, being hands on, meaning managers might delegate a task, but when when you work up the word leader, it comes from the Latin word led, which means determine the course of a ship. So the leader leads people and empowers them by creating a vision and values and, and things to give people a direction to go, but they allow people to row the boat. Right. they allow people to do that. They're not trying to do everybody's job. So we have to take those leaders, managers, and turn them into great leaders.
2: That's Absolutely critical. This is fascinating. How you put that because, yeah, that terminology we've used for years. My management style that that just I I, I get the opposite when someone tries to manage my manage things for me. It's like uh, uh, I don't know my team. I let them. Basically, I give them the tools and go for it. Tell me what you come up with and let them let them lead themselves. Yeah. And, and they're much more, much more creative. They're much more eager to work. They're they're much because it's it's the pride of doing that that job well.
1: When a manager tells someone to do something, one of the distinctions between leaders and managers is managers tend to tell people what to do. Leaders tend to ask questions that create self-discovery learning. So someone comes to you with a new job or task, ask them, well, how do you think you would approach this? What do you think you'd do first? What do you think you'd do second? And then if they miss something as a coach, you can say, yes, that's great. And you might wanna think about because now they're invested in the outcome. You're hundred percent correct. If it's my idea, I'm gonna work like heck to make it work. If it's your idea, not so much, not so much. So it's really thinking that way. It is they buy into it then. So the third one is re engage your employees, re engage, re energize, revamp, re get them back happy again, get them back together again. I've been working with this other company kind of from time to time, and they do we do virtual team-building sessions using Zoom, but it's a fun team-building session like a virtual murder mystery where they solve a murder mystery crime and they're broken into teams and they have to figure out the murder and the method. So there's a whole bunch of things. Get your team together again and get them re-energized. Revisit your vision and values and ask them to enlist. People have been working together with their families and, and have been in their families 24 by seven for 18 months. right? My husband and I have been married 30 38 years last Friday but we've only been in the same city about five because I've always traveled the world. I mean, i lived overseas for three years in Singapore. I've traveled the entire world multiple times. And so people are just, we need to have that ability to have compassion for people and what they've been through. And here's one mistake a lot of leaders are making. Here's the statement they're saying to people. When we get back to work, what's wrong with that statement?
0: Yeah, exactly. When we do, we are working. What do you think I've been doing? I've been homeschooling
1: a kid. I'm stuck in the house with this person that I don't even hardly know because I've always traveled. I mean, <laughs> think about it. I mean, having that compassion for people and saying when we get back to the workplace, see, everything you say as leaders matters. Right. I once, at time? When I worked in banking, I was I was a, a vice president, and I was walking through one of the local branches, and one of the local one of the employees is local branch. I'm walking through, and she says with a name like Grimm, how can you always be so happy? Right? <laughs> I have a sarcastic sense of humor. So I said drugs and then I walked on and I thought about it later. Thought, like two minutes later, I went back and I said, you know, I was joking, right? <laughs> so, and you could make a slight joke about something. And all of a sudden somebody says, did you hear what John said? You know, Frederick kind of made a joke about, you know, money being tied. I wonder if they're going to lay us off again. So you have to be super careful of every word you use. The last four is reinvent your work processes. This is the perfect storm to throw the baby out with the bathwater for about 90% of your work processes, starting with HR, starting with how we recruit, how we hire, where we recruit from, our hiring process, our job descriptions, our promotion processes, But I would take almost every work process and bring together your employees. There's something called a workout session. I did these at Microsoft. Um, It was adopted from GE, where we brought groups of employees in, and I was in Singapore at the time, so I would fly to Australia or Singapore or India. We'd bring employees in and say, what are the biggest barriers that are preventing you from being successful? And we gave them all post-it notes. And then we took those post-it notes and we started putting them on the wall And finding themes, and we found out our sales management process was horrible at the time. We knew everybody hated it. So then we were able to identify and target that as an area to say, why don't we just completely reinvent this? This is the perfect time. Most work processes maybe started 5, 10, 15 years ago with five steps. Now it's probably 15 with multiple handouts. I remember working at the bank one time, and I got a report in every day. And all I needed to do was take that report and write nil N I L nil on it. N-I-L every morning, write nil. So one day I stopped doing it. Nobody ever asked me for that nil report. Right. So we have to <laughs> literally <laughs> we've been doing it for years. Write nil on this report and file it in the folder. The Before auditors' you save time. Yeah, the auditors would need this, right? Yeah. You know, I always said, well, who are the auditors and what do they need? But anyway, so really take advantage of this time to reimagine and reinvent your work processes. So reimagine your customer experiences, reshape your leadership, re-energize your employees, and reinvent your work process. This is the perfect time. Um, If it's a really complex process, there's something called a breakout breakthrough teams where we put together more of a a cross-functional, cross-level team. We train a, a team leader to lead the group, and they actually go through and do some light Six Sigma type process improvements you know you look at the process as is talk about what are the root causes come up with some solutions test them and implement them um both those both of those can be super successful those are the four things everybody every leader needs to know that's
2: that's fascinating and you mentioned that you were in Singapore so you know I I'm kind of interested to understand work hours I mean because in Europe you know you're, you're like, you got six to eight weeks off a year, a lot of time off. But I know in some other countries and especially the Asia, Asia pack room, yeah. I mean, they work six days a week, sometimes seven. Yeah. Just because that's, that's the, you know, uh, that's normal. So is that your take on it? What, what, and and how, how do you, um, can you explain why those differences Compared to the U.S., when how our work hours are.
1: Well, it's it's interesting because um, it depends. Like you said, it's very dependent on where you go. Uh, in when I moved to Singapore, right in the beginning, it was very important. I call it butts and seats. That you had butts and seats. That you were there in the office before the boss came, and you were there before after the boss left. It was very very important to have visibility and be present and be in the office. I think COVID has changed that. That now more people are having that flex. ability to work from home kind of environment. I think that's changed somewhat, but there's still this sort of dependency. In Europe, I I couldn't start a meeting. So typical meetings in Microsoft campus started at 7.30, 8 o'clock in the morning at latest. No, uh, Working lunch, working lunch, right, over your computer in the conference room, food everywhere, and you'd work till 7, 8, 9, 10 o'clock at night. In Europe, I could never start a meeting before nine o'clock. And we would take a two hour lunch. And in Germany and France, during a business meeting, like I was doing a sales training, sales management workshop in France. And in lunch, they bring in sandwiches and wine. In Germany, they brought in sausages and beer. During the day, in, in Spain, they take two hours off and go home and take a nap and come back, but they work late into the evening. So it's different working styles. And the other thing I heard is Americans seem to live to work. and Non-Americans in like Australia is the same way. They take six weeks off every year. Um, and they tend to work, to, they, they tend to take a more balanced approach to it. I remember the account manager for New Zealand, one of our biggest accounts uh, was going on vacate, was going to take his six weeks off. And he asked me to, as a, as a corporate person, it was kind of a strange request because I'm in Singapore, he's in New Zealand. He asked me to babysit his corporate client for the six weeks he was gone, which I did. I took very good care of them and handle some issues for them, but he, they take their six, eight weeks off. They, they, they truly believe in the balance of work life. Um, they don't go home and do their work. They go home and they be with their families because their family time is so important to them. So we tend to have this sort of thing. And then in Asia, it definitely was, it was butts and seats. In the new world of work, we need to measure outcomes not someone's butt in a seat in an office, in a building where they're less productive. They actually found that many salespeople and many people were more productive during the pandemic when they were working from home because they didn't have that two hour drive to and from the office every day. They could be on the phone at 7 a.m. with a customer. They could be on the phone at nine o'clock at night with a customer, but they could take their own breaks during the middle of the day. So we have to move to holding people accountable for outcomes. And we've talked about this for years. I did a, a, a webinar for the IAMCP, right? Talk about a weird acronym, the International Association of Microsoft Channel Partners. And it was titled, Let's Get Real, right? We've been, wa- we've been talking about empowered leadership, empowerment, um, you know, leadership and all this stuff for 20 years. And yet we're still talking about it. So now's the time to get real and start to just walk the talk and make it happen.
0: Definitely a time to Reevaluate and, and look at what we've been doing. You're absolutely right, Patty. And, and to sure. talk, yeah, exactly. And to talk about down the path of your book, which because you were a workaholic, I remember you said your doctor told you, you you might have six months to live if you didn't change your ways. Yeah. Uh, and, and and you did. And you interviewed over 3,200 people for this book, which is Quiet Women Never Changed History. And if you want to take a look at this, we'll have it in the show notes. But the, the website is womenkickingglass.com. And if you go to womenkickingglass.com slash book, Patty also has a $10 copy of the book as, as an offer for you. So Yep.
2: Yep. I had to read that. I had to read that link one more time just to make sure it said class.
1: I know. I've you know so I've been fun. on a couple. I've been on a couple. I've been a couple webinars and sessions where I've come to, to. And actually, I probably I don't know if I can say this on the show or not. It is time we kick some ass. I'm sorry. It is. Well, I'm done. Right. I'm women great. are still underpaid, underserved. They make between eighty one between sixty four and eighty one cents on a dollar compared to men. Um, it's still harder for women and people of color to get capital to run their business, keep their business afloat. Uh, There's still these glass ceilings, bamboo ceilings, concrete ceilings, whatever you want to say. Here's the kicker. There are 13 states in the U.S. who have not passed the Equal Rights Amendment from the 1970s, guaranteeing women the right to equal pay. That is, I'm sorry, flipping insane. I won't use the other word, but it is flipping insane. And we owe it to the next generation to make this world a better place. You owe it to your daughters, your nieces, your sisters to make this world a better place. And for the boys too, they, they need a better place as well. So this is this you know is what, the, I'm,
2: I'm I, done I with talking. The, I think it's time for you to put another goal on your list of doing a book like this for men.
1: Yeah, you know what's fun? I'd love to do, I, well, my new book is gonna be on, on creating inclusive and uh, innovative workplaces. So I am gonna hit this head on and include things in there for men because we need men to get off the sidelines. I'm sorry, I know Me Too movement hashtag had some positive things it did, but I also, the negative side of that is that men became defensive. Men, were, men, men are afraid to mentor women and people of color because of the Black Lives Matter. They're afraid to take them to lunch or take them to a business meeting. Um, they felt like an animal backed into a corner and when someone gets back into a corner, they get defensive and they attack or they retreat. We get into the caveman fight and flight mode. So men, we need you to become allies and sponsor. An ally and a sponsor is someone like my boss in 20, 2004, when I was thinking of an international assignment, called the, the senior VP in charge of Asia Pacific region and said, I have this great employee for you who you need in your region. That, that's being a sponsor and an ally. That's not just being a, a mentor on the road, giving a little bit of advice. That is a sponsor who's going to help further women and people of color. So It's definitely that time for that conversation. And and it's time to have the tough conversation.
0: I just want to make sure that we say the title of the new book too, which is play the game by your rules, the truth about women's leadership, empowerment, and equality. And when is this actually coming out, Patty? Well,
1: actually, here's this interesting thing, right? I'm a research geek. I won't apologize. I'm just a research geek. So as I was doing the research for that book, Every time I was interviewing, again, I'm interviewing like executive vice presidents for companies like Cisco and Microsoft and uh, Apple and SAP, a whole bunch of different companies, non-tech companies, men and women, small, large companies. And every time I was interviewing somebody and talking about the challenges for women, I found myself saying women and people of color, women and people of color. It kept coming up over and over again. So I expanded the scope of the book and I changed the title about a week ago because I'm still doing the research. Right now it's called Breakthrough. Great leaders, Rockstar teams, sustainable business results, best practices from the best places to work about how to create inclusive and innovative workplaces. Because my theory is you can't have innovation without inclusion. And when you have inclusion, you can have more innovation. And inclusion isn't just how people look, where they grew up or where they were raised, what gender they are who they love who they worship it is also diversity of thinking diversity of style so if you look at your company and you all graduated from the same school i for a long time i lived in california just recently moved to texas so if everybody went to usc and no and one person went to ucla your culture is not inclusive because they have one way of thinking they have the same kind of decision-making style. Um, you, I use the, I do a lot of team-building stuff. Like I said, I do some around the old DISC survey, the D-I-S-C, because you need someone who's the dominant, someone who's the creator, someone who's the steady person, and someone who's the organizer stuff. So you need those whole diversity things as well. So I do really fun workshops um, with people where we do it with birds. Which one's most like you? An eagle, an owl, a dove, or a peacock? Right. So your ego is going to be aggressive, assertive, directed to the point. Your peacock is creative, innovative, your marketing person, probably. Your owl is your thinker, analyzer, detailed person. And your dove is your caring person. So you need all those people on the team wow.
0: mm-hmm. to really
1: make it work. It's a really fun workshop. Really fun.
0: That's awesome. <laughs> it's John's passive. probably the owl, I'm the bat. <laughs>
1: <laughs> and you can be a combination of those things. And you can also, you know, it depends on the stress, too. So. Anyway, so this has been a lot of fun, you too.
0: Yeah, thank you so much. This and just good. to get this out there, uh, again, if you want to get a copy of Patty's book, I'll have the links in the show notes, but it's womenkickingglass.com slash book. And you could get a $10 copy and you can find Patty on Twitter at Patty underscore grim, LinkedIn, Patty hyphen Grimm, Facebook, it's Women Kicking Glass 2. For Advantage Training, you could go to the website, which is Advantage hyphen training.com. That's awesome. awesome. Yeah.
2: I have, uh, can I lead with a final question here? Sure. What do you think? Now, Patty, you ready? You got, I want you to close your eyes and imagine. Here we go. Okay. Okay. You are going to be on a secluded Island. You're going to have a cell phone that has your type of communications. Would it be voice? Would it be text? Or would it be video without sound?
1: um i think it have to be voice
2: i like that i think that's you know what because we have such
1: power in words
2: yeah okay you got and, and me. I, you got me right here right in the heart because that's exactly yeah. what i would have said
1: and i so i mean i have been doing for 18 months i've been doing virtual speaking podcast interviews i've been doing virtual Team building sessions, but I miss being face to face with people and being able to do it in the room and laugh and hug and cry if we need yeah, to. Right. I miss that take that face to face. And I, ne- I need to get on a plane or I'm getting a divorce pretty soon.
2: <laughs> okay, you need to, you need to get out of Dallas, come to Sarasota, uh, come over to Sarasota
0: visit us a little bit and uh, the last thing we'd like to ask patty before you go do you have any uh, parting words of wisdom for our audience
1: uh i want people in, in today's world i want you to be brave, brave i want you to be bold i want you to be courageous not perfect
0: love it thank you so much patty that is great advice again patty Graham. thank you so much for joining us on the show today for heads in the cloud i am frederick weiss and i'm john Ross. thank you and we'll catch you next time thank you so much patty thank you